You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. That's amazing. Anyway, it's great to be here. You guys are hearing a lot of Aussie accents, aren't you? You're getting used to the Aussie accent? Um, look, it's my privilege to be here. I've never been to Utah before. First time ever in Salt Lake City. Uh, so, yeah, this is... They took me to Park City yesterday. I went up on the chairlift. Got to meet Pastor Becca, hang out with her yesterday. Just quickly met Pastor Vince. But I think I'm going to sign him up as my PR manager. That's what I reckon. Best introduction ever. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just sussing you all out just while I'm here. Now, when you heard the word prophetic, some of you might have started slumping in your chair thinking... Uh, I should repent, maybe this woman comes in and sees our sin. No, no. Let me just put your minds at ease. Firstly, only God is all seeing and all knowing, right? Number one. Number two, I'm an encouraging prophet. Really, any true New Testament prophet will be seeing you better than you see yourself. Because we're the ones who call those things that be not as though they are. We're the ones who see your potential. We see, we, we, we see the, the purpose and the potential of God in your life. In actual fact, my discernment's not even that great. My husband's the one with the discernment. That's a whole other gifting. Don't think that a prophet has to come in to discern everything that's going on. That's actually another gifting. Prophets can have great discernment. I've got great discernment of atmospheres and over regions and cities. But in terms of you... I'm seeing right now just an incredible bunch of people with incredible potential and gifting. And that's the honest to God truth. Honest, I'll see that now in Australia we have an expression. It's called a buffhead. Now, you probably haven't heard that word before. A buffhead's basically an idiot. And I'll, honestly, I'll see the, the biggest buffhead and think, mate, you are awesome. Because I'm seeing you the way God sees you. And I'll see someone who actually is, you know, pretty average, but I'll see them as fantastic. So does that make you all relax a little? Just relax. Because prophets can have a bit of a bad reputation as being the ones who come in and see sin. And no, nah, I'm not interested. I've got enough sin on my own. I'm not interested in yours. That's the honest to God truth. So some of you, I'm joking, right? Okay, you have to get used to my humor. Okay, you guys can make yourselves comfortable. Go back to your seats. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're going to get more than your money's worth. I am uh, great friends with your senior pastors. I've known Pastors Jürgen and Leanne for a long time. And um, particularly, Leanne and myself used to do a lot of women's conferences together. In Australia, I was like the old duck and she was the young chicken. That's sort of like, that was the lineup <laughs> in the days when she was a youth pastor. And uh, I want to share something before I launch into the word. Uh, let me introduce myself to you so you can relate to me as a person quickly, not just as the preacher. Don't be fooled by the Simpson name. I'm Italian. I have Italian blood in these veins. Um, but I married an Aussie boy called Damien. I'd like to introduce you to my husband. Have you got the picture of him here? Throw him up there on the screen. My tall, dark, and handsome, angelic visitation. Have you got the picture? 
set of legs because I've got him in his running gear. I've Listen, I'll tell you the story. I married an architect. Now, I'm, I've been in full-time uh, ministry for 27 years, uh, primarily living by faith, traveling ministry. And uh, I was a late bloomer. I didn't get married till my early 40s. And I married an architect and I thought, fantastic. Architect, great earning potential. <laughs> Never going to have to worry about money again. And about five years ago, he decided to give it up to pursue his dream of being a long-distance runner. People say, oh, is there money in running? No. <laughs> no. You do it for the love. You do it for the quest. And so I do have a picture of my husband, hashtag Speedy Simpson. If you actually want to see him and you're on Instagram, hashtag Speedy Simpson, and there he is, my introverted husband. Anyone married their opposite? I have married my absolute polar opposite. and I think, I think we share the same faith. We are both Christian. That's about all we've got in common. And uh, people say, do you run, Vicky? Yeah, I run to the cafe, get a coffee, wait for him at the finish line. That's what I do. And uh, it's so... He, um, yeah, he, he is obsessed with running and, um, and I'm not. So, except when it's him in his shorts. So, good look. <laughs> He's got much bigger, better legs than me. Now, so there you go. That, that's basically who I am. I'm a Perth girl originally, so I'm from the west coast of Australia. Um, but we live in Sydney, Australia, and I'm at, I'm at C3 Oxford Falls. I'm at the mothership under the leadership of Pastors Phil and Chris Pringle. So the mother and father of the, ministry, of the, the movement, they're, my, they're, they're our pastors. I have a word for you as a church, just, right, just straight off the bat before I launch into my message, which I actually got during the worship time. The Lord brought to my remembrance Psalm 84, verse 5. Start with verse 5. How enriched are those who find their strength in the Lord? Within their hearts are the highways of holiness. Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain. He gives to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of, out, of an outpouring. Let me just say a couple of things quickly. I believe C3, Salt Lake City, is going to be renowned as a pleasant pool in the midst of a dark valley. Even when the paths wind through the dark valley of tears. Can I say as someone just visiting your city for the first time that, I mean, you are beautifully situated. What a fantastic, what a just magnificent location where you are located as a city the mountains just just glorious but there's some darkness in this valley yeah. yeah oh yeah there's some darkness in this valley but in this dark valley of tears people are going to find a pleasant pool in this place the pleasant pool in the midst of the dark valley I just want you to picture that for a moment I want you to see yourselves see this church as a pleasant pool. He gives to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. You are in the midst of an outpouring. 
It's not an outpouring that's coming. It's not an outpouring that you have to believe for, that you have to long for and just dream for. But the outpouring has begun. And it is going to continue to build momentum. It's starting with a trickle. It's starting with a mist. But there is going to be an increasing awareness of an outpouring that is actually filling that pool creating that pool of blessing. And I heard the Lord say to me that you are going to be known as a place of grace. First and foremost, you're distinctive. Even within the C3 family of this nation is going to be the grace of God. That people will walk in. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And there will be people coming in. And they've known what it is to carry the weight and burden of religion and oppression and judgment and guilt. And they're going to come in and they're going to tangibly feel ah, the weight of that burden lift off them. And they're going to know what it is for the first time. I'm seeing first time encounters with the goodness and grace of God. The goodness and grace of God. Mercies upon mercy. And you know what? You have to actually know what it is to live under the rod of religion to really appreciate grace. I was brought up in a Catholic household. And... I have to be honest, I know what it is to live under the rod of religion, capital R. And it's an incredible thing when you just sense. I felt tangible grace as I'm sitting there just even during the worship time. And I've been born again for like nearly 40 years. And, and to, to sense that again, I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I just remembered, took me back to that Christmas Day service, 1980. Back there in Perth, Western Australia. And as, as a, a Catholic girl who had been looking for a cause, looking for the purpose of life, and I tried all sorts of Eastern religion stuff, and I tried New Age stuff, and I tried astral travel. I didn't get anywhere, but I tried that. <laughs> I tried a heap of stuff. And I have to be honest, as someone who'd been brought up as a Catholic, hearing about Jesus and seeing Jesus on the cross every day of my school education, uh, I had never, ever joined the dots and considered that what I was looking for was found in Jesus. Never, ever, ever. I was looking everywhere but. I even went to a Hare Krishna festival once. I really, I tried everything, but I, I didn't like their food. That was a deal breaker. <laughs> their, their food is so bad. But anyway, uh, but that day, I went to, I took myself to church. I took myself to a Christmas Day service in a church something like this. I didn't even know what I was going to. I just responded to an advertisement. Now, the statistics will tell you most people do not actually come to church because of advertising. It's something in Australia, it's something like 1%. But I was a part of the 1%. So I figure advertising is worth it if, you, if you're going to even reach someone like me who just, because I, I didn't know I was welcome in that church. Don't assume that people know that they are welcome. Someone's got to tell them that they're welcome. And I'd driven past that church many times and I saw the advertisement and I took myself in. And I was expecting to hear about Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus. You know, wise men. It was Christmas, right? Christmas. But the pastor that day preached a message from John 
10.10, it says, The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I never even heard that before. Abundant life. Abundant life. And it was like the penny dropped. I thought, that, that's, that's what I'm wanting. Because I was, I was a teenager. I was a girl and girls just want to have fun, right? <laughs> girls just want to have fun. Oh, girls just want to have That's all they really want. Have fun. I wanted to have fun. And I had never, ever joined the dots between Jesus and fun. I thought, hello, Jesus, goodbye, fun. That had been my experience. But you know what? More than that, more than it, it wasn't just the message that day. It was something that I felt. It was something that I felt in that church. It was only a small, about a quarter of the size of this place. It was a small church. I don't even know how many visitors they would normally get. But here I was, and I'm feeling something. I'm hearing something. And it was like together, I am... I am feel, I'm feeling compelled. I'm feeling captivated by this message that what I was looking for was in Jesus. And I'm meeting and I'm seeing people for the first time. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's clear to me. They've got something that I don't. And as I walked out of the doors of that church and the pastor wished me, the pastor. I heard pastor is spaghetti here. That's right. Yeah, the pastor. Um, he wished me a Merry Christmas. He wished me a Merry Christmas. And I burst into tears. I literally burst into tears at the doorstep of the church. And he asked me the question, have you given your life to Jesus? Or have you given your life to Christ? Something like that. Have you given your life to the Lord? I didn't understand the question. I have to be honest. And I'm thinking, well, I've been christened, first Holy Communion, confirmed three times that I know of. So I said to him, I think so. I think so. But if you think so and don't know so, probably haven't so. There are some of you here today, maybe you fall within that, within that space of, well, have I, have I given my life to Jesus? Like, what does that really mean? What, I tell you, for me, this is what it meant. Because I didn't, I didn't understand the theology of what I was doing at that moment. But the pastor led me in a prayer. And all I know that in this prayer, in my heart, I was simply admitting my need for God. I'm like, you know what? I'm just feeling like there's, there's something more. I'm feeling like, 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 like and, and Jesus, I'm, I'm thinking like you are a part of this puzzle. You are the missing link. You are what I've been looking for. And when you give your life to Jesus and you become born again, you know, a lot of us don't understand what actually happened. Because at that moment, this is what happens. You relocate. You change spiritual address. You go from death to life. You go from darkness to light. And in that moment, when I just followed that the pastor in this prayer just repeated the words. Now, becoming a Christian is not about a feeling. That is not a criteria. You do not have to feel something. But I felt something. I felt tangibly something lift off my shoulders. I I felt joy start to bubble within me. I remember. Skipping out of that church like a spring lamb. I remember starting to, driving home, singing those songs that I heard for the first time and, and my life changed. I, my life changed. And 
I couldn't wait to get back. I couldn't wait to get back. All hell broke loose in my family. And my father thought I joined a cult. Some of you know what I'm talking about. My father didn't talk to me for years. Even me living under the same roof. Five years, he, didn't, he, he hardly acknowledged me. Ten years before he got used to the idea. When I actually went into ministry, oh my gosh, the shame and humiliation. My, my Italian father could not cope. I remember actually when I came to the Lord, family members telling him, oh, it's just a phase. She's a teenager. She'll grow out of it. It's just a phase. And I never would stick at anything. I, I was renowned for never completing anything. I'm still like that with books, let me be honest. I'm a, I'm a shocker for starting. And uh, I tell you what, 40 years, longest phase I have ever been in. Because it was something bigger than me. Something had taken place. Some of you think that becoming a Christian is, is about believing something different up here. Some, some of you think that uh, it's ascribing allegiance to Jesus as opposed to Muhammad or someone else or something else. But it's not about just signing allegiance to a different faith. It is about a relocation, a supernatural invasion of your spirit. It's about a spiritual shift. Being born again is about a new start. It's about throwing off the, that, that judgment, about being set free from the things that weigh you down. I'm telling you today, there's some of you who, it's not that you need anything new, you just need a revelation of what you've already got. And I'm praying today by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. You see, a prophet, let me tell you something about a prophet. Our job is not to just come and tell you, you know, what you don't know and to come and to, you know, do party tricks and, 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 and be like the Christian psychics. No, what we do is we release revelation. We equip the saints by releasing a spirit of revelation. And by the time that I've gone, you should be hearing God more clearly for yourself. It's like we're like spiritual pseudo-ephedrine. Do you guys have pseudo-fed here? We come and we clear the spiritual sinuses. We clear, we clear the spiritual airways. That is our job. Ain't that the truth? I, I, there'll be some of you, and you're ser searching for direction. You've been praying, oh, a prophet's coming. I've heard she's prophetic. Oh, God, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. As you are sitting in your seat, be expected for God just to start to speak to you where you are. My job is to connect you to Jesus. My job is to get you looking to Jesus. Not to, you know, and the prophet is just one of the five, right? The Ephesians 4.11 gifts. We're, we're, we're team players. We're not the same as the Old Testament guys. They, they, they died out with the Old Covenant, just like the Old Testament priests. Why do people think the Old Testament prophet's still alive and they have no problem with the idea that the Old Testament priest is gone? They, they, they guys, they got, those guys are gone. New Testament prophet's not the same animal. Because Jesus says in Ephesians 4, and Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. Some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So after Jesus ascended, then he downloaded his grace to, to, to the ones he chose to carry those graces to equip you people. That's just for someone. That's off the, off, just off the, off the side. 
None of that was in my notes, praise the Lord. But anyway, I'll drink to that. Cheers. I'm talking about faith not being a thing of just of your, of your head. I want to look at Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want to, I want to give you a fresh understanding of faith. A fresh understanding of faith. It's important, right? This scripture, by the way, you can read it in any version of the Bible that you like. It will say exactly the same thing. It does. I know some, some versions, you know, some scriptures are really different, version to version. I don't know if you notice that, but this, even the Amplified, it's not particularly Amplified. It still says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you want to please God? Do you want to please God? You can't avoid this. Yeah, can't avoid faith. And we're all tested at some time or another. Anyone been through a faith a face, a faith crisis. Anyone have been through a faith? I know some of you here today, and it's like, oh, hello. <laughs> it's like, some of you, this is the sense that I've got. It's like life has been knocking the stuffing out of you. And you've got your faith bucket. And at the moment, the water table of faith is kind of low. But I believe God's going to release fresh faith here today. And it's not going to take very long. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In the New Living, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And the Amplified, it says, Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. What's it saying? This is what it's saying. Faith comes from Jesus. It ends with Jesus. And everything in between is Jesus. We do not have the power to create faith. We can't manufacture it or force it. It's much more than confidence or positive thinking. Faith I tell you what faith isn't. It isn't a bravado. It isn't a mask that's hiding the things that we're going through. It's not, a, it's not about being living in a state of perpetual denial about the things that we're suffering and going through. This is what faith is. Faith is a supernatural spiritual force which is given to us for free. A supernatural spiritual force which is given to us for free. That means it's about who he is. It's not about who you are. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Faith and grace. Faith and grace. Do you know what grace is? Grace is that which is given to us for free, not because we deserve it or earn it. Grace is something that just cannot be earned. You cannot pray enough to earn faith. You cannot work hard enough to earn faith. You can't be holy enough to earn faith. You can't be good enough. You're here today and you're thinking, oh, Vicky, I feel so unworthy. I feel so inadequate. I feel insufficient. Join the club. You are in the perfect position to be a recipient of grace. And faith is a grace. Turn to your neighbor and tell them faith is a grace. Faith isn't a work. 
There are works of faith, but you don't work to get faith. And there is a difference. And you might consider yourself the most unbelieving person on planet Earth, Earth here today. And maybe you snuck in somehow, you've been brought here, and you say, I don't have any faith. Oh, yes, you do. At the moment, it's just being directed towards somewhere else. Because all of us have within us the capacity, the DNA to believe. We just believe in different stuff. Not one of you here today came out of the womb with a head start and an extra advantage in the faith department than anyone else. And you might say, hey, but I know, you know, sister so-and-so, she's, she's, man, she really believes. She's got incredible faith. I tell you why, because she has been a recipient of incredible grace. It's not because anyone is more holy than anyone else. You understand, there is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. There isn't. There, in terms of church structures, there are responsibilities and authorities. But in terms of spiritual stuff, I don't care who you are today, how old you are, where you come from, what your upbringing is, who your family was. You, we are all equal recipients of the grace of God. And that's good news. Yeah, even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter... Three, it's not in my notes, so don't go looking for it. It said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who's made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. So the Apostle Paul, he actually makes a statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 of insufficiency. He goes, not that I'm sufficient of myself to think of anything as being from myself. I'm telling you what, if the Apostle Paul had a revelation of his insufficiency, he did all right. The Apostle Paul, I mean, arguably the greatest missionary the world's ever known. I mean, one, probably the greatest theologian. I mean, he wrote, you know, half the New Testament. I mean, church planter extraordinaire. He did all right. And he had a revelation of his insufficiency. I just want to encourage people here right now, and you have a revelation of your insufficiency. And I want to say to you today, that does not disqualify you. That actually qualifies you. Because we all need to start at that point. We all need to regularly come back to that revelation that, you know what? I actually can't. I can't. And if you, if you have a revelation of that, great start. Absolutely essential for kingdom purpose to know that you can't. But you see, he didn't stop there. Not that I'm sufficient of myself to think of anything as being from myself, but... We have a sufficiency that comes from God. So he didn't stop. He didn't park at I'm insufficient. He had a revelation that he was. And I will have the worship team return, please. He said, but we have a sufficiency that's from God, and I am a sufficient minister. Some of you here today, you think, I need more faith. Something's going down in your family. Oh, God, I need, I need more faith. Perhaps you've been given a really bad diagnosis in terms of your health. Oh, God, I need, I, I need more faith. I don't know. You know what? All you need is to face something you've never faced before, and you need more faith. <laughs> yeah, to be faced where you're having to make a decision, and you've, you've never made it before. You need more faith. You know, you're walking somewhere. Actually, there's um, a brother towards the back of the fir first uh, section. You've got a beard. You've got glasses, black hair. I can't even see you properly. The light's shining up right in the center. You haven't got the guy behind the guy in the cap. The guy, yeah, tap him. Yeah, you, mate. 
What's your name? Yeah. Hugh? Hugh. Hugh. Uh, I see you at a crossroads and you're waiting for the lights to change. You're waiting for the lights to tell you which way to go. Okay, so green light's going to tell me to go. So red light's going to tell me to stay. Like you're looking, you're looking for direction, looking for sign. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And in that sense, you see, the voice of God is within us. And I hear the Lord saying, He doesn't want you to be led by signs. He doesn't want you to have to be dependent on a change of the circumstance. But you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Because there is a change coming. There is a shift. There's a relocation in the purposes of God. But it's, it, it's going to be that which bubbles up from within you. And He wants you to know, trust Trust Him who is within you. It's not God up here from a distance. God is within you. And I see Him grabbing you by the shoulders like a good shepherd does and said, this way, Hugh, this way. And you're going to feel it. You're going to sense it here. And there'll be confirmations and there'll be those who will witness to it and say, yes, yes, yes. But if you're staying at the, at the light, just waiting for the light to change, you might be there a long time. Because the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And He wants you to know, settle it in your heart right here and now. He is leading you. Even when you don't feel it. even when it And this is a word for someone else here today. He wants you to have faith in the good shepherd who's good at his job. He's good at his job. The change is coming, Q. The winds of change are starting to blow. And it's going to be in terms of your development, your personal development. In Jesus' name. Amen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. There was a father of a sick child in Mark chapter 9. I don't know if you know the story, but this, this child, he had the son, he had... It was like a form of epilepsy, but it was so tormenting. It was more than a physical condition. He would be harassed and tormented, thrown into the fire, thrown, like self-harming. It was, it was terrible. And the father of this child was absolutely brokenhearted and beside himself, desperate for a solution. And he went, he took his son to the disciples, to Jesus' disciples, Asked them to pray for him. They prayed and nothing happened. Nothing changed. You can get discouraged, eh? When things, you get, you got the best in the business and it still doesn't change. And so Jesus actually comes across this father's path. He tells him, tells him the story. Tell, tells him that even the disciples have prayed and nothing's changed. Jesus says to him, this is in Mark chapter 9, 23 to 24, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now I was told, if you ever wanted to see a miracle, don't make a confession of unbelief. I was taught, you have to have your confession right, your words right. Faith, 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 faith. 
What does this father do? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What happens? I tell you what happens. He gets his miracle. His son is healed on the spot. How on earth does that happen? I tell you how that happens. Because Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith, was on the scene. And he prayed the most powerful prayer you can ever pray. And it goes like this. Help! And you know what? I see one of the hallmarks of this church going to be people who are honest. People who aren't hiding behind masks of religion, masks of faith, but people who are honest, people who are open, people who are authentic, people who are vulnerable. People who are vulnerable. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Some of you are living under the condemnation of not being good enough, not being holy enough, not being spiritual enough. And how could I ever expect the Lord to answer my prayers? I'm telling you what today, there is going to be a revival of honesty and openness and vulnerability in this place and between each other and with the Lord. Because that is the place of power. That, you're going to be, be honest about your marriages, honest about your families, honest about your hearts, honest about your situations. In a place of community and safety and love and kindness and grace and mercy. And in that place, just like the Father, Jesus. You see, Jesus, the author and perfecter. The author and perfecter. Help! And what did Jesus do? He came in and at, right at that space, perfected perfected his faith. I'm seeing a springtime in this place. I'm seeing seeds that have been sown over years. In your lives, seeds of faith that are going to start to germinate. Going to start to germinate in the most unexpected, beautiful, glorious ways. Lindsay and your husband, what's, uh, sorry, mate, what's your name? Jason, you have the most divine little boy. Gabriel, my gosh, named, what a, honestly, he's like a little angelic visitation. I nearly told him, I'm going to kidnap you, take you back to Australia, but I thought, oh, I could traumatise him, mate. That were, it's a new day for you guys. And I see the hands of God coming on you both and lifting you up. I see the promotion and elevation of God. And I see a couple who've been faithful, pure-hearted. Your motives have been pure. Jason, sometimes you have been troubled. You're a thinker. Um, you're analytical. And things hadn't weighed up. You saw discrepancies. You saw in, in, uh, in, uh, inequities. And uh, you, you, you were like being, being true before the Lord, but troubled in heart. And I can see that, that in that place. It was like the furnace. It was like the fire of, of, your, of your faith was purged. And I see it's come out like gold. It's, it's still coming out. It's still coming out. You're still just at the tail end of that process. God wants you to know He's been purifying you both, purifying motors, purifying faith. And you're going to have something, you're going to shine bright. I see ones in your family who don't know the Lord, who are going to, who are going to, be, who are going to be converted. Someone particularly close to you, Jason, I'm seeing that they're going to be totally uh, convicted and, and compelled because of your, your story and your testimony. And the things that have happened are actually working for your good. God said, 
what the enemy intended for evil, I am working for good. It's actually a part of your preparation. Yep, yep. To construct you, not to destroy you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking at all these beautiful faces. It's always hard. As a prophet who is also an extrovert and a sanguine who loves people, it's like I wish I could just boom, hug each and every one of you and download. I hope you feel the corporate hug of God. I hope you sense the smile of God. God does not frown upon you people. God is not frowning. I break right now every lie of the enemy and every religious spirit that has tried to tell you that you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, you're not, I'm seeing freedom, 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 freedom. I'm seeing a domino effect of freedom happening amongst you in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you're a couple. I've got to be careful. I sometimes put people together who actually aren't. Um, not intentionally. Uh, sweetheart, you're wearing a pink uh, top. You've got glasses. Your hand like this. What's your name, Dal? Rebecca, you related to the guy next to you? What's your name? Patrick. Rebecca and Patrick. Sometimes people are leaning in, but you know, they're not necessarily change for you guys. Change. I see like you've been going through the birthing pangs. Things have been tight. Things have been painful. There's been, been uh, some, some suffering taking place. But just like the pain that precedes childbirth, just like the birth pangs before the delivery of a new thing. Patrick, hear the Lord say, don't give up. Don't give up. You're actually on track. You're on track. Uh, and it's that whole thing of the test before the testimony. Yeah, there's been some testing. The testing of your faith. See, in the testing of the faith, yeah, it can, it can, be, it can be, be tricky. The call of God is on your lives. And God is preparing you. He's been preparing you for a significant calling. I see you guys ministering to others. I see you. Uh, if, if you're looking for the Avengers, I'm sorry. We're, we're, it's, it's not the Avengers. Uh, <laughs> He's, he's, and I see a ministry call, but I don't want you to assume what that looks like. I don't want you to be afraid, particularly you, Patrick. Don't think, you, oh, I'm gonna, oh, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't, don't assume what it looks like, but I see God using you both effectively as disciples, yep, inputters into other people and their faith. And so your faith has been tested, so you've actually got some spiritual muscle yeah, and you've got something to impart. There's something prophetic about you. Re Rebecca, is that right? Something prophetic about you. And I speak right now an activation and a release of that prophetic call in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, you too. I said, Becca, I want to declare, I want to declare confidence over you. There was an assignment to crush your confidence. The enemy tried to take you apart limb by limb. But the Lord says that the deconstruction of the enemy has worked for the construction of God, has worked to make you, not to break you. And God wants you to know that He is for you. If He be for you, who can be against you? I'll tell you what. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you, Becca. And I'm seeing the glory being manifested as healing. You're going to get up and minister and people will be healed. You're not even going to try. It's just going to happen. 
healed in their hearts because you've known what it is to experience firsthand the healing of God in your heart. There'll be healing of bodies. It's just going to be your calling card when this woman ministers. Healing follows in Jesus' name. Vince, I see that uh, I've been told you've got Italian blood in your veins too. Maybe not as much as mine, but I, I could feel it. It is a part of you, absolutely. I feel something evangelistic about you. There is something that, you know, you've got leadership, 100%. You, you guys, this is a thing, and I've got to travel to all the locations. And you feel just like the other location pastors. You know, you would think that you guys have been C3 forever. You've, you've, you've just, you know, you've, you're the right fit. You're the right fit. But Vince, I see you moving increasingly in signs and wonders and miracles. Really, really, really. In Australia, we say ridgy didge. That means real like, you know, it's not an act. It's not trying to. You will, you will break spiritual droughts. And primarily here, but you'll also, I see you also get, getting opportunity to minister in other places and other spaces. And, you, and, and that's going to happen. You're going to break spiritual droughts as you, you guys are doing well. I feel the Lord wanting to encourage you, you both. He says to me, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job in Jesus' name. I don't know you're all here today. And I'm not going to assume because you're sitting in a seat in a Sunday morning Christian church service that you're a Christian. And it'd be very remiss of me if I didn't give you an opportunity, firstly, to consider your spiritual condition. What's your relationship with God like today? Do you know Him? Do you know, do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you, do you know the Heavenly Father? Not just know about Him, but do you know Him? Do you recall a time when you opened up your heart and surrendered your life to God? God, I, I want you in the driver's seat of my life. Uh, not, not, not in the trunk, not in the back seat, not running alongside. The, I want you in the driver's seat of my life. I don't know you. Maybe you're here today and you've never, ever prayed a prayer where you actually called upon God and opened up your heart. Maybe like me, don't totally understand what that means, but, but, but you know that there is something and that you need more because you've made an absolute mess of your life up to this point. We were never meant to live life alone. We're never meant to just struggle it out here on planet Earth. Heavenly Father sent a Savior. Jesus isn't from a distance. He is more up close and personal than the person sitting on each side of you. And He loves you. He is for you. It's a, for some of you here today, this is a new day. Like nothing you've ever experienced before. Or maybe you're here to say, Vicky, I know exactly what you're talking about. I prayed that prayer. But if I was to be honest, I'm... My heart's gone cold. If I was to be honest, I've been disappointed, disillusioned, and I've shut the door on God. But today you want to reopen the door of your heart to Him. With every eye closed, before I hand back, I want you to consider today, do you, do you need to make a fresh step towards the Lord Jesus today? Do you need to open up the door of your heart to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? to experience what it is to have the forgiveness of sins, to know what it is to experience His love, His purpose. Whether that's for the first time or another time, 
I just want you to simply indicate today, just by shooting your hand up and saying, Vicky, that's me. That's me. You're talking to me. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. So very quickly, hold up your hand. I can see you. God bless you in there. Yep, God bless you up the back. Is there anybody else? Just quickly, God bless you, sweetheart, over there. So there's someone over there. There's a couple over there. So another hand up the back. Anybody else, one last time before I lead you in a prayer. Yeah, God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm looking right up, right up the back, looking just towards the front, my left, my right. Anybody over this side? Yeah, I need to get right with God. I want to come back to Him. I want to receive Jesus for the first time or another time. Everyone who raised their hand, can you just do it one more time just so I can see you all? There's a sweetheart over there. There was the ones in the middle. Yep, up the back there. We're going to pray a prayer together right now. Can we do this? For those people who've raised your hands, I'd love you to pray this prayer. And the rest of us are going to support you. Is that right? Okay, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me to give me life. And right now, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour. I'm sorry I've ignored you and lived life my own way. But today I choose your way. I thank you that you love me and you have great plans for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com.